Welcome to the Reach Podcast with your guest speaker, Krista Smith. There is a stirring, there is a hunger. Well, I'm glad you guys are here. Um, I am like beyond excited about tonight. I'm super, super stoked. Um, what I'm teaching on is really my heart and my passion. Um, and I kind of want to let you guys in on what led me to teach on this tonight. Um, cause it's kind of, um, it shows that God really has a sense of humor. Um, so PJ told me probably about two months ago, he said, Hey, while we're at Falls Creek, um, can you, can you teach at Reach? And I was like, sure. So I've known about this for uh, two months, and I wrote my sermon Sunday night. So we're doing great, guys. Um, but I, he's, he said you can teach on anything. And I have a love-hate relationship when this happens. I love it because I love teaching on whatever the Lord is teaching me or just conversations I'm having. But I hate it when I feel like God is telling me to go one way and I want to go another way, which is what happened. So leading up to this, I was praying and I was like, okay, God, like, what is it you want me to teach on? And he was like, I want you to teach on passion, vision, and mission, Matthew 9, 36 through 38. So um, Matthew 9, 36 through 38 is the, those are like my core verses that I base everything around. And I, so I teach on it a lot. And in my mind, I was like, I just feel like I teach on that a lot. So I basically was like, God, give me something else. Like, give me a different passage. So I was like, I can, I can teach on vision and passion and mission, but please just give me a different passage. Um, and so I kept just beating around the bush. I looked at so many other passages and I just, it, every time the Lord was like, no, this isn't it. So then Saturday night, I had a friend call me and he is working at Falls Creek. And he called me and we were just talking about um, our weeks and um, he had some conversations with some students and he asked me, he was like, Did, like, what should I have said? Like things like that. And then I was like, oh, let me ask him if he knows any passages. So I was like, hey, when you think of vision and passion and mission and God's heart for the nations, what do you think of? And he was like, well, I think of that passage about like the harvest. I think it's like Matthew 9, 36. And I'm like banging my head against the wall at this point in time. And I'm like, okay, like I get it, Lord. So we're doing Matthew 9, 36 to 38. And I opened my Bible and I read it. And when I tell you it felt like it was the first time I've ever read it, that's how it felt. Um, there was just so many new things that I was like, I've read this passage thousands of times, but it was like I was reading it for the first time. Um, so I am so excited to tell you guys um, about what the Lord has taught me and why this is so important to me and why these verses are so just pivotal in my life um, is because I truly believe that God is doing something in college students and in young adults um, to fulfill the Great Commission, like I genuinely do. And that's why I love working with college students. Um, and I love, I could just stand up here and tell you guys story after story after story about how God has been moving in the lives of college students and young adults to accomplish his purposes. And it's just so inspiring. Um, so with all of that, um, I want you guys to be in on this mission. And I want you guys to have the same passion, the same vision, and the same mission 
that God has. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're just going to hop right into it. God, I thank you so much just um, for those that came out tonight. God, I pray that you would just open up their hearts to what it is that you have to say. Um, God, I just thank you um, for your word, and God, I thank you that you call us um, to align our passion and our vision and our mission um, to be in line with your heart, God. God, I pray that um, you would just speak through me tonight, that um, everyone would leave here just wrestling with what your word says um, and just wrestling with these verses and, and their place in it as I have this week, God. And God, just speak through me and use me as your vessel, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Everyone, Riley Jackson. <laughs> uh, I told you I would do it. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to read um, these three verses, and then we're going to just really dive into them and break them down. So, Matthew 9, 36 through 38 says this, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Okay, so um, I do also want to mention this whole um, lesson tonight is very, like, information heavy um, as far as, like, statistics and stuff like that. And I give you guys a lot of resources um, to help you continue on in what God's heart for the nation is, um, because that's what all of this is. So if you guys have questions at the end, um, please come find me because I want to give you those resources. Okay, verse 36. Um, what is your passion? So in the very first part of this, we see that it says, when he saw the crowds. Okay, the first thing I want you guys to see in this is that Jesus was seeing the crowds because he was putting himself in place of the crowds. He was actively going out into the harvest and putting himself in the place where he would be in the middle of the harvest fields. He saw these crowds, and because he saw these crowds, he had compassion for these crowds. So um, this is super interesting to me. Um, when it says he had compassion on them, we, we read that, and when you think of compassion, you kind of just think of someone kind of has um, kind of like an emotional response to something which is very true, but in this, and studying it and looking at it, the original um, Greek word for compassion is splanesiomai. If I said that wrong, I'm sorry. Um, but what it means is it means to be moved as to one's bowels, to be moved with compassion, for at that time the bowels were thought to be the seat of love and pity. So I read that and I was like, okay, it's kind of odd. But I started looking at it more and more, and that word compassion is used all throughout the Bible, but this specific word for compassion, splenizomai, is only ever used to describe how Jesus feels towards his people. And it is used in, in another instance when a man comes before Jesus um, and his child is sick and he says, Jesus, please have compassion on me. Jesus, please have splenizomai on me because he knows that this type of compassion can only come from the Lord. So, then we see, because he was putting himself in these crowds, he's putting himself in these areas to be amongst the harvest, and he had a compassion on them, it kind of begs the question, okay, why when he looked at the crowds, why did, why did he have this type of compassion? Why did he have this kind of movement? 
Um, and we read on, and it says, He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Okay, so he had compassion on them because he had a passion for a relationship with them. He saw them as sheep that were without a shepherd. And we see that in Isaiah 53, 7. It says that we all like sheep have gone astray. We've all gone our own way. And so Jesus was seeing these people and he was seeing that they were all like sheep and that they were all going their own way, that they did not have this relationship with him. And because of that, it brought him to this compassion because he had a passion for a relationship with them. He knew what they were missing out on. So um, we define compassion, but I wanted to define passion. So it's not found, um, obviously, in this text. So I, I Googled it, you know. And if you go to Google right now and you type in define passion, it gives you two definitions. And the first one says strong and barely controllable passion. So kind of going along the lines of what that splanesia, my compassion that Jesus had. But the second definition of passion on Google literally said the suffering and death of Jesus. And I loved that because the world can't even understand and define passion without even looking towards the cross. So then for us, we have to ask ourselves, okay, how does this passion and compassion, how do they go together? Why are we even talking about passion? Because it says that Jesus had compassion. As much as compassion compels us to have a feeling towards something, as much as Jesus saw these people and had a compassion for them and it compelled him to move, he first had a passion to action, meaning your passion fuels your compassion. Okay, I'm going to say that again because I keep saying this word over and over again. Your passion fuels your compassion. And so since Jesus had a passion for a relationship with us, it caused him to have compassion for those who didn't have a relationship for him. Are you guys tracking with me? Yeah? Okay. This is why I like the small group setting. Um, so because Jesus had a passion for a relationship with us, it caused him to have a compassion for the lost. So then this causes us to have to reevaluate what our passion is because the question now is, you might be sitting there and you might say, okay, Jesus looked at these crowds and he had a compassion for the lost. I don't have that compassion for the lost. And I think a lot of reason why people and why a lot of us don't have a compassion for the lost is because we don't have a passion for the gospel. And so what I mean by that is we don't have a passion for the one thing that these people are needing. And you have to have a passion for the gospel in order to have a compassion for the lost. Because some of us treat the gospel as if... It's something that we take for granted that we simply hear on Sunday mornings when there are people literally halfway around the world dying without ever hearing it. We treat the gospel um, as if it saves our entire eternity, but it has very little effect on our lives in the temporary. And a lot of times we treat the gospel as if it's something that directs our lives and we saturate our hearts in, we instead treat it as a nice addition to our lives that we only hear on Sundays and it really doesn't have any significance throughout our weeks. And I want you guys to also understand everything I say tonight, I had to get to this place to where I had to learn all these things because trust me, I was there. Before I, before I got to college, um, I didn't really have a passion for the gospel. 
I didn't understand that I was supposed to fall in love with the gospel more than I did the day before. I, I did not have that kind of love for the gospel, but over time, the Lord has just really taken my heart and given me such a passion for the gospel that it's produced a compassion for lost people that I don't even know. And then we see that Jesus looked at these crowds and he looked at them and he saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So I bring this last part of this verse up, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, um, because I want you guys to understand that there are people around you every single day that are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. There are people all around you. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says, In their case, the God of this world, meaning Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. I, um, a couple years ago, I worked at this running store, um, and one day I was working and I had my laptop and I was sending some emails um, back and forth to our managers and my coworker um, saw the back of my laptop and I have a three circle sticker. And if you don't know what the three circles is, it's basically just an illustration of the gospel. But if you just look at the three circles and you don't know what it means, it kind of looks like a hot mess. Okay. Um, and he, he saw the sticker and he pointed to it and he was like, oh, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's the gospel. And he said, what's the gospel? And I was like, have you grown up in Oklahoma? I was like, I'm so, I'm so confused. Um, and through, just through that, like, I saw that he was a sheep without a shepherd. And I got to have this conversation with him. There was, um, a, two months ago, this is probably one of my favorite stories, um, about two months ago, I went and visited um, the campus ministry that I'm about to go work at. And um, I went and I went to their service. And then afterwards, um, we were all hanging out and um, we were just hanging out. And it was probably about like 11 o'clock and I don't stay up past like 1030. I'm like a grandpa. And so I'm like telling people that I'm about to go to bed and I'm about to leave. And um, then I get into this conversation with this girl and we start talking and then these other students come over and this one guy um, told us that it was his first time there. And we were like, okay, cool. So we start asking him some questions and we were like, what do you think of service? Like all these things. And he was like, well, like, I don't really know a whole lot about what you guys believe. And I was like, okay. And I just looked at him and I was like, has anyone ever just shared the gospel with you? And he looked at us and he was like, no. And so I sat there with these students and I was like, can we share the gospel with you? And I kid you not, we stayed up until 3 a.m. I was very tired. We stayed up till 3 a.m. answering this guy's questions. He asked us every question possible, like, if God is so good, why do bad things happen? Um, how do you know your religion is true? How do you know Jesus really is the only way? He asked all of these questions and he was a sheep without a shepherd and we simply were just there within the harvest. We were placing ourselves there so that we could share the gospel with people. It was just such a divine intervention all because we were placing ourselves within the harvest. There is um, a book that every single one of you guys should read um, and it's a very long title so I will say it once and then if you need it, tell me again. Um, it's by a guy named William Carey. Um, some of you guys may know him. He was a, he was a missionary. 
Um, and his book is called An Inquiry into the Obligations of Christians to Use Means for the Conversion of the Heathens. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, that was seriously the whole title in the book is like literally 10 pages, like no joke. Um, super, super good book. Um, but he writes this quote and track with me. It's kind of long, but I think it is so, so, so important. It says, it seems as if many thought the, com- the commission was sufficiently put in execution by what the apostles and others have done, that we have enough to do to attend to the salvation of our own countrymen, and that if God intends the salvation of the heathen, he will some way or another bring to them the gospel or the gospel to them. It is thus multitudes sit at ease and give themselves no concern about the far greater of their fellow sinners who to this day are lost in ignorance and idolatry. So the question is, what is your passion? Are you so lost in passions that aren't of the gospel that the people around you sit in ignorance and idolatry? Or do you have a passion for the gospel that produces this compassion for lost people that you want to go out and you see what they're missing and you see the love that you have for the gospel and you say, hey, you don't know the gospel. I want to share that with you. Reevaluate your passion for the gospel. Verse 37, what is your vision? Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Okay, this first part. Then he said to his disciples, Jesus saw this need for the people, and the very first thing that he did was talk to his disciples. And this really got me thinking, um, and this really convicted me of how I disciple the girls that I disciple. Meaning, Talking about everything we're talking about tonight, are you sharing these things with those whom you disciple? And I want to preface this by saying, I understand everyone is in a totally different place. Um, Like, you're not going to lead someone to Christ and then disciple them the next day and be like, you need to go overseas right now. Like, you're not going to, you're not going to do that. And I get that because everyone is definitely in different positions, but the need is not for better Christians. The need is for laborers. And so the need is not for you to meet every Monday morning at a coffee shop and have a therapy session to make yourself feel better about yourself. The need is for disciples who turn into laborers who go out and make even more deeply devoted laborers. So you have to ask yourself, how am I discipling people? Because you can't talk about discipleship without talking about God's heart for the nations. And you can't talk about God's heart for the nations without talking about discipleship. And again, everyone is in a totally different spot. I'm not going to, my college girls that I disciple, I encourage them to give up a summer to go overseas. But the girl that I'm discipling who just graduated eighth grade, I can't be like, okay, pack your things and go overseas. Like, because her parents would be fine with that. Um, so I understand it's, you're going to disciple everyone differently. But the question is, are you moving them closer to understanding God's heart for the nations? That girl that just graduated eighth grade, we talk about praying for lost people groups. Yeah, she probably can't go overseas right now, but we can still start praying for those who don't know the gospel. I had, um, a conversation with a girl um, that I'm currently discipling and she texts me one day and this is probably just the highlight of my entire career as an intern. Um, <laughs> she texted me and we had been talking about God's heart for the nations. And I had just sent her this video on the state of the gospel 
And she texted me and she said, I'm going to drop out of college and go to Asia because of you. And I said, oh, bet I'll help fund you. Um, but she gets it. And because of that, I know that I can leave and she's going to continue on this legacy of discipling girls for their heart to be for God's heart for the nations. So then we see that when Jesus looked at his disciples, he looked at them and said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So what is the harvest? Great question. So the harvest is your workplace. It's your family. It's your friends, your classmates. Um, it's all of those people. It really is. But the harvest is also the 7,402 unreached people groups or the 3.28 billion unreached people of the world. The harvest is the 1.187 billion Hindus, the 1.898 billion Muslims, the, 500, the 505 million Buddhists, and the 1,892 languages that have no scripture translation, or the 145 million people who do not have any or little of God's word. The harvest is the 900,000 international students in America that will return home with nothing more but a degree. That is the harvest. And yes, don't get me wrong. You can very much do things locally. Trust me. I love local missions. I've been doing local missions for a while. There's a ton of um, local missions that Evergreen does. They do um, mobile missions. I love that. I love that, um, that missions organization. But we serve a God with a global vision. Therefore, we're engaged with the global mission. And so we have to understand that if God's heart is to reach the whole world, our heart has to be the same. I've heard it posted to me before that if your vision is not to reach all of the nations, then your vision is too small. So you have to ask yourself, what is my vision? So then Jesus says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So now we have to define the laborers. So these statistics are crazy. The laborers are few. So the laborers are the 337,000 missionaries who go to reach peoples or 77.3% of missionaries. The missionaries are the 85,000 missionaries who go to the unevangelized, or that translates to 19.4% of missionaries. And unevangelized just means that it's less than two, that that people group is less than 2% Christian, but they are in reach of the gospel. The laborers are few means 11,700 missionaries who go to the unreached, which translates to only 2.7% of our missions force. And unreached is less than 2% of that people group is Christian, but they have little to no access to the gospel. And that is where the least of our missionaries are going. This is why Jesus said that the laborers are few. So now that we see all of this, and now that we see the need, we see the harvest, and we see how the laborers are few, you have to ask yourself, what is your vision? And you have to also continue to ask yourself, who are the laborers? And the laborers are you sitting in this room, you listening to this on a podcast. Because you are responsible for what you know. And now you guys know all of this. You guys know 
how there is such a need to go out and to share the gospel. You are without excuse to take the responsibility of taking the gospel to those who do not know it. In another really good book, the title is shorter. Um, The title is The Great Omission. And in this, the author says, In a world in which nine of every ten people are lost, one of four never hear the way out, and one of every two cannot hear, the church sleeps on. Why? Could it be that we think there must be some other way? Or perhaps we really don't care that much. If you want to be used by God to reach the nations, you must have a vision for the nations. And obviously, we see that the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, and we see that there is this huge, overwhelming task to do. And it is overwhelming. I mean, you hear about these millions and billions of people who have never heard the gospel or who are so lost in their own religion that they don't think that there is any other way out but to work for their salvation. And you, you hear these things and you think, wow, that's super overwhelming. What can I do? Again, I'm glad you asked because we're going to talk about that. So verse 38, what is your mission? Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Okay, first thing, pray earnestly. Um, an article I read called The State of the Gospel It said this, Without prayer, we will not see spiritual strongholds broken down, nor the unevangelized peoples experiencing the gospel. The state of the gospel changes by prayer. There is such a power to prayer because it not only changes the state of the world and the state of the gospel traveling, but it also changes the heart of the one delivering the prayer. Because you cannot pray for laborers into the harvest and then you yourself not go, Hey God, where can I go as a laborer? Because trust me, I've seen it. Um, There's also a super great resource. Um, It's called the Joshua Project. So um, first time I ever heard about the Joshua Project um, was through my campus ministry, and it changed changed my life. Um, I had a friend, and he went overseas from our BCM, and he came back, and he was like, hey, I I have this really cool thing that I want to do. So every Thursday night, a group of us would get together, on our community college campus and he would whip out his phone and he would pull out this Joshua Project app and it gives you an unreached people group of the day to pray for. And I began to impact the nations from my community college. It seriously, you open it up and I I still have it to this day, you open it up, it gives you the unreached people group of the day. I'm not gonna try and tell you what it is because I can't pronounce it. Um, But it's an unreached people group, I think it was in Asia um, and it tells you how to pray for them It tells you um, their need for the gospel. It tells you what percent of them are Christian. It tells you if there are missionaries there. It tells you exactly, again, how to pray for them, what their needs are. And it tells you a scripture to pray over them. And every single one of you in this room can pray. You can. And you can download an app on your phone. And you can wake up every day. And you can pray for five, ten minutes for this people group. Um, You can even set like a reminder to pray and some people do it and this is how I do I said it um, at the time that I do my quiet time so it's the first thing I do super super easy resource super easy way to impact the nations by praying earnestly 
I've also heard this question, and I asked this on Sunday when I taught, but it really changed my whole life, and it, it changed my perspective on prayer. Um, if God answered all of your prayers from yesterday, how would the world look different today? If God were to answer all of your prayers from yesterday, how would the world look different today? Would that unreached people group that you prayed for yesterday, would they have laborers laboring among them to share the gospel? Or would you just have a less stressful day at work because your boss has been down your back? How would the world look different if you prayed for the harvest? Then we see this. Then we see that it says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Okay, as overwhelming as all of these statistics can be and everything like that, um, I want you guys to see that the harvest does not belong to you. I want you to see that the harvest belongs to the Lord. And so in that, we don't have to take on this responsibility of, well, if I don't reach the harvest, then I failed because it doesn't even belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. So when you're praying, you're literally praying to the Lord that is in control of the harvest, that is in control of stirring man's heart to go out as the laborers into the harvest fields. So don't be overwhelmed by all these things. Instead, just pray for these things. And then we see that he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest fields. Okay. I'm going to give you guys five practical ways that you can be a laborer. Super simple, and we're gonna break them all down. So the first one is go. Second one is you can give or send. The third is pray, fourth is welcome, and fifth is mobilize. Okay, so go. Um, give a summer, go overseas, um, go work at Falls Creek, go and, and do these things. Give a semester, give a year, give two years. Just do not waste the time that you have. This is why I personally love working with college students as much as I do, because college students and young adults really are have the most time, the most resources, and they might not have the most money, but the Lord provides. Um, and they, they have the biggest passions to go, to just drop everything and go. The amount of of students that I've had conversations with over the years that have just looked at me and been like, man, I just wish I could drop out of college and just go. Like, I get it. Um, I mean, I was there and my BCM director said, no, please finish college. <laughs> I said, okay, <laughs> um, please finish college. Unless if the Lord tells you different. But go, again, give a summer, give a semester, pray about doing those things. I, um, I had a friend and she went overseas for two months um, to Vietnam. And she came back and she said something that I will never forget. Um, she looked at me and she said, in our training, they told us something. And they said, as Christians, we should always live as if we're going to go unless if the Lord calls us to stay. And I was like, why am I not going? So I signed up to go overseas that summer. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to live as if I'm going to go unless if you call me to stay. Well, I signed up in 2019 to go the summer of 2020. So <laughs> that obviously did not happen. Um, but I will tell you, um, my one prayer when I first signed up in the September of 2019, is I, my one and only prayer was, God, do not waste this summer. So when my trip was canceled, I was like, God, you wasted the summer. <laughs> um, but I got a call from my BCM director um, 
actually, no, my trip was canceled. And I called him and told him, and he was like, well, since your trip is canceled, I have this great opportunity. And I was like, okay. Um, and if you guys knew Kyle, it's just, I was like, what a great, great timing. Um, but he said, so we're doing this thing called Global Project. And basically, you would lead a group of girls, and you would go through this book called The Fuel on the Flame. You would go through First Timothy, and you would get on a Zoom call with students from all over the world, and you would hear from a different speaker every Tuesday night. And in my mind, I was like, that's the last thing I want to do because I'm supposed to be in Malaysia fly fishing. That was my assignment, guys. I was supposed to be fly fishing that summer. I was so excited. Um, but anyway, I was like, okay. I was like, let me pray about it because um, I was really mad. I was like, this is the last thing I want to do. Um, and then I prayed about it. I called him back two days later, and I was like, okay, I'll do it. And when I tell you that God did not waste that summer, God did not waste that summer. I sat at my kitchen table every Tuesday night with four other girls impacting the nations because we would sit there and they would tell us about these people groups. They would tell us about God's heart for the nations. They would tell us about the importance of understanding the why behind why we go, why we give, why we sin, why we do all of these things. And it grew my faith that honestly, I think if I went to Malaysia, my faith wouldn't even have grown as much as it did. The Lord had called me to stay because he had to do this work in me. So live as if you're going to go unless if the Lord calls you to stay. Second thing you can do is you can give slash send. So um, giving. Pray about an organization or a missionary that you feel passionate about their cause that you can give to. I, um, I'll tell you, I give to an organization called Wycliffe Bible Translators, and I'm going to tell you why I give to them, because I was very convicted. Um, I took this class, um, it was called Perspectives, and it basically is just an outline of God's heart for the nations. And in it, we had a lady come, and she had lived among a people group for um, a couple of years, learned their language, and translated the Bible into their language. And I was like, that's dope. Um, but she came and she told us something. And she said, the number of printed English, English translations and paraphrases of the Bible, complete or not, is about 900. The number of printed English translations of the Bible is about 900. And there are about 1,892 languages that have no scripture. And she said, you want to know what that's called? That's called gluttony. And I sat in my chair and just wanted to like wither away and die. Like I was so convicted and I was like, okay, like something has to change about this. Um, and yes, I, I don't know how to translate a language. I don't know how to live among a people group and learn their language and translate it into the Bible, but I know how to press a button and give money and how I can give to those missionaries and support them in that. In 2021, there was $896 billion given to any Christian causes. $52 billion of that was given to missions, which sounds like a lot, but when you do the math, that is only 5.78% of money given to all Christian causes of any kind went to missions. This is kind of like a hypothetical thing that really is, it could happen. Um, the church has roughly 3,000 times the financial resources and 9,000 times the manpower needed to finish the Great Commission. 
If every evangelical gave 10% of their income to missions, we could easily support 2 million new missionaries. But it is all about and how you give and how you are sending. The third thing you can do is you can pray. So I already told you guys about the Joshua Project, um, which again, that is just you praying for that people group um, to come to know the gospel for labors to be sent out among that people group. Pray for missionaries that you know that are on the field right now. Um, another super great app is the Voice of the Martyrs app. That's praying for the persecuted church. And yes, I know that isn't um, laborers, but the Voice of the Martyrs app um, and just praying for these people that are literally facing persecution every single day just to have others hear the gospel, it really begins to spark your passion for the gospel. Um, and another resource for persecuted churches is Open Doors, um, and that just gives you other ways to pray. Uh, the fourth thing you can do is you can welcome. Um, 900,000 international students. If you are a college student, you should make it a goal every semester to befriend at least one international student. Um, that is honestly something that I regret not being more intentional about. Because there are so many international students that will come to America and get an education and never be invited into an American home and never hear the gospel. When these international students, if you really think about it, are coming here, getting an education, and they're going to go back home, and they're probably going to turn into that nation's leaders. They're going to be doing these things, but are they under the convictions of the gospel? Are you welcoming these international students? And some of you guys are like, well, I'm not in college. Okay, well, I have another thing for you. And I think it was September or December, um, Tulsa had 850 Afghan refugees come in. Tulsa alone. And there are so many organizations um, that I could get in contact with and you guys can, can go. Um, that perspectives class that I took, some of the ladies, I wasn't able to go, but some of the ladies um, had a ministry with the Afghan refugees and they just taught them how to sew and they shared the gospel with them. Like such a simple thing, but they were literally welcoming these people. Um, Tulsa is one of the largest cities um, for Myanmar peoples. And um, we, so my BCM in uh, 2021, we partnered with a Myanmar church um, here in Tulsa. And um, we, they had just bought this building and we renovated it for them. We painted their rooms, we set up chairs and all these things. And then we went um, and they have a little Myanmar community with um, like a little Asian market and a place to get like, um, Asian noodles, which I love Asian food, so I was all about it. There's like a boba place. There's this whole little Myanmar community of people who don't know the gospel. And some of them are refugees. Some of these are immigrants. And you want to know something? It's three minutes from the ORU campus. Like, that is you welcoming these people. That is you welcoming the nations. A lot of times, and more so than not, we don't even need to go to the nations sometimes because the nations are coming to us in waves upon waves in the form of international students and refugees. But are you spending time welcoming them? And then the fifth thing you can do is mobilize. Okay, this is going to get crazy, but track with me. So um, 
I had a friend and he went overseas and he went with an organization called the Traveling Team, which all the statistics that I had tonight actually came um, from the Traveling Team's website. Um, but he showed us um, this graph, or not graph, um, illustration, and it it's really good. So I'm going to share it with you guys tonight. So if you have a pen and paper, anyone write this down, you guys should, um, because I also encourage you guys to go and share this with others. So, okay, um, I'm going to have to draw a stick figure, and last time that didn't go too hot. But we're going to see this time. Um, I couldn't draw them running, but this time they're standing, so it's okay. Okay, so, oh my gosh, dang it. Hold on, technical difficulties, guys. I guess I should have checked. That looked like a hot mess. We're going to pray this one works. Okay, okay, so you're going to draw, you're going to draw a stick figure. Oh, his body is so long. <laughs> hold on, guys. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> uh. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, so we're, we're tracking with it. Okay, so here you have your Christian with a very large head not proportional to his body. It's fine. Um, and then over here you're going to draw another stick figure. And under it, you're going to write World Christian. Okay, so before I move on, um, I want to explain the difference between what a Christian is and a World Christian is. So, um, a Christian and World Christian, there's no difference between like their salvation, or if one is more theologically deep or intelligent or whatever. It's all a matter of perspective. So the world, the world Christian is concerned with three things. And so you're going to write out these three things. The world Christian is concerned with God's word. Uh, God's world. And, oh, wow, that didn't look good. And God's work. Right? Yeah. Okay, so the world Christian is concerned with God's word. So then you're going to write out these three verses next to it. And you're going to write out Genesis 12, 1 through 3, Matthew 29, or 29, what? That doesn't exist. 28, 19, and then Revelation 7, 9. And then in little brackets, you're going to bracket it, and you're going to write God's, oh, that doesn't look like a heart, God's heart. It's fine. For the nations. Okay, so why these three verses? So if you read the entire Bible, you quickly begin to realize that the Bible is not about you at all. It is actually about God's heart for the nations and his redemptive plan for the nations to give glory back to him. So we see this in these three verses. Um, so there's a ton of verses um, that just connect the Bible all the way through, but specifically these three. So Genesis 12, 1 through 3 is the Abrahamic covenant. So that's when God looks at Abraham and says, I will make you a father of many nations. And then we see in Matthew 28, 19, what does he say? He says, go make disciples of all yeah, okay, cool. And then in Revelation 7, 9, we see John has a vision and he says, um, then I looked at this 
And behold, a great multitude of everyone from every nation, tribe, tongue, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, saying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So we see that all three of these, God is a God of the nations. So we see God's heart for the nations. And then they see God's world. So you're going to draw a little rectangle. Bless you. And at the top, you're going to put 1040. So how many of you guys have ever heard of the 1040 window? Oh my gosh, not a lot. This is so good. Okay, 1040 window. So the 1040 window is 10 degrees um, north and 40 degrees north latitude. So if you look it up, it'll literally show you like a world map, and then it'll have a little rectangle um, indicating the 1040 window. And the 1040 window, and some of these stats might have changed. Um, the first time I heard this was in 2019, so I don't know if it's changed a whole lot. But the 1040 window holds 97% of unreached people groups, or UPGs. So the 1040 window holds 97% of the unreached. So that's all um, of tribal, Hindu, unreligious, um, Muslims, and Buddhists. Um, and so within the 20, the 1040, what? Within the 1040 window is where 4% of our laborers go. So I don't know if you guys can read that. I'm so sorry. Um, so you have the 1040 window. You have the area with the most unreached people and only 4% of our missionaries are going there. So the world Christian sees God's world, and then the world Christian sees God's work. So you're going to write out go and send, and then you're going to make two little branches off of that. So going, you're going to write here, and you're going to write there. And then in sending, you're going to write pray, and you're going to write give. Okay, so go. Go here or there. So going here... Going here is welcoming. Going there is actually going. And then we see sending is praying and giving. So they see their position in God's work and their place in God's work. So we have these two people, and you're going to draw a line. And if you guys are writing this, which, I mean, hopefully you guys are so you can share it with people, um, I want you guys on this line between Christian and world Christian, I want you guys to put an X as to where you think you're at. Are you... Do you, are, do you understand all of this? Do you understand what it means to be a world Christian? Are you understanding God's heart for the nation? And then you're going to write one more stick figure. And underneath it, you're going to write mobilizer. And this is where our fifth element of mobilizing comes in. So then you're going to draw a line between that. Um, so in all of this, we see that there is a mobilizer. So a mobilizer is just a world Christian that is sharing this with other Christians. And so when they share it with Christians, and that Christian becomes a world Christian, that's plus one. Awesome. We have one more person that's understanding God's heart for the nations. But once this world Christian becomes a mobilizer, that's times ten, because now you're multiplying. Now you're going out and if I go and I tell Joe these things, and then Joe goes out and tells another person these things, it's mobilizing, which, guess what? That's discipleship, because that's what God intended the world to look like, and that is his plan to redeem the nations to himself.
So um, in conclusion, again, this is very information heavy, um, but I wanted to give you guys some resources again because um, I think a lot of this can be kind of overwhelming, but I find it very interesting to study it. And as Christians, I believe you should be studying what God's heart for the nation is because if you really think about it, um, the whole reason why we're here tonight is because of the gospel and because the gospel needs to be heard to the entire world. Um, so, um, I want to give you guys some resources. How many of you guys like podcasts? Yes. Okay. I love, I love my podcast people. Okay. 1040 podcast. Great podcast. Um, it literally, um, highlights missionaries in the 1040 window. Um, their slogan is ordinary people doing extraordinary things to reach the unreached. Um, super, super cool resource. It's actually, um, started this kind of a little plug, but it was started by a guy named Luke. And I don't know how to say his last name. Um, but Luke started this podcast, um, to raise awareness for the fund that he started. He started something called the GoFund, which you can give to. Um, Luke had a lot of friends that wanted to go overseas, but weren't. And so when he would interview them and ask them, Hey, why are you not going overseas? The one thing that they said was student debt. So when you give to the GoFund, you are giving so that missionaries can apply um, to have their student debt totally erased so that they can go overseas. Super cool thing. Um, another podcast is Christian Challenge. So that's actually a campus ministry, um, but they are very heavily based on God's heart for the nations. Okay, how many of you guys like books? How many of you guys like reading? Yes, okay, we should, we should start a book club. Um, so books. Um, missionary biographies, which is what a lot of these are, um, because when you begin to read the biographies of missionaries and you begin to see that they were ordinary people just like you and me, you begin to be really convicted and want to go. Um, then Sandy of God by Nick Ripkin. Let the Nations Be Glad, John Piper, Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret, um, Evidence Not Seen, Darlene Dibler Rose. Okay, that book, so crazy. This woman, it is her autobiography. Her and her husband were missionaries in Japan when World War II broke out, and then they became prisoners of war. Um, and it was just her story about how she remained faithful um, even under the persecution she was in. Um, the Fuel in the Flame by Steve Shadrach, Radical by David Platt, and then Discovering the Mission of God. Um, and then lastly, these are just some studies and things you can look at. Um, and again, I just, I, I really want to press this home because like study these things, be intent on these things. Um, websites, the traveling team, again, that's where all of my stats came from tonight. And if you want to go on a mission trip, they are a great missions organization. Um, International Mission Board. Literally, they have statistics, they have articles. Um, the Joshua Project website actually has um, statistics and things that you can look at um, and understand more God's heart for the nations. Um, and then there's something called the Explore Study. It's spelled X-P-L-O-R-E, and that is literally a Bible study on God's heart for the nations. And then the last thing, um, this is um, actually a documentary, and it's 30 minutes and every, every single one of you guys should go and watch it. It's called Yimby Yimby Unto the Nations, 
And Yimbi is spelled Y-E-M-B-I. And it's about these missionaries who go to this Yimbi Yimbi tribe, learn their language, um, translate the Bible into their language. And the last like five minutes of the documentary is them uh, presenting the Bible to these people. And this people group literally spends an entire day throwing a party because they have God's word written in their language. And it just, oh my gosh, guys, it's just so good. So with all of that, um, yes, check out those resources, look at those things, continue to actively engage yourself in God's heart for the nations. But besides all of the statistics, besides all of the information, you have to really assess what is my passion, what is my vision, and what is my mission because the harvest is really waiting for laborers. Our world is desperate for people who are completely consumed with lives sold out to Jesus, people who are willing to do anything and go anywhere for the sake of the gospel, and people who are willing and seeking out how they can strategically put themselves in the most and best place possible to fulfill their role in the Great Commission. I want you guys to be responsible for what you know. Um, I want you guys to not leave this here. Um, I'm not up here speaking just to fill in for Taylor or PJ. Um, this is real stuff um, that we should be engaging ourselves in. So please wrestle with these things. And I want to leave you guys with this last verse. In Habakkuk 2.14, it says, And this, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And I leave you with that because is your passion that? Is your vision to see the world covered with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea? And is your mission for that to happen? Hey guys, this is Philip Jackson, pastor of Young Adults at Evergreen Baptist Church. I want to invite you to come to Reach. We meet every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at Evergreen Church in South Tulsa, just east of Mingo on 111th Street. The mission of Reach Tulsa is to cultivate a young adult community that's defined by real transformation and the sincere pursuit of a godly life through training in biblical disciplines, personal development, and intentionally transitioning into independence as mature members of the body of Christ. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe to our content. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Reach Young Adult Ministry is a part of Evergreen Baptist Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information and additional lessons, please visit our website, evergreenbc.org.